Welcome to The Winsome Creationist, where we explore God's world using a model-building approach, interact with a gracious tone, and take a firm stand on the literal truth of creation found in God's Word. Join host Steve Schramm and occasional guests as they explore the mysteries and majesties from creation to the flood, Babel to the cross, and everywhere in between. And now, here's your host. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us on another episode of The Winsome Creationist. I am here with who I can tell is going to become a very fast new friend, Dr. Dan Biddle. Dr. Biddle, nice to meet you, and thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Love opportunities to connect with new people. Frankly, I've been following uh, y'all's work and ministry for a long time, but there may be some people here affiliated with our podcast who don't know you or what you're up to. And so I would love for you to just take it away and share a little bit about yourself and, you know, kind of about, I know one piece of your journey that's fascinating is that you kind of became a creationist later in life, I guess you would say. And so I would love to hear all about your story and especially that piece of it. Yeah, certainly. I'll do the best I can to summarize. There's a lot of different rabbit trails, but um, I was uh, saved when I was 11 years old. I went through a, a bumpy time as a teenager, like many of us do, and kind of had a following, a following away for a while, came back to Christ when I was 17 and tried to lock in uh, ever since as much as we can, you know. I'm married at yeah. 21, ha have four kids now, and God's blessed me with a great family and, and great, great ministry, great, great corporations that I'm part of. So that's that's been wonderful. Um, I think uh, I've always trusted and believed in God's word, but I just never knew what I believed about the Genesis account necessarily. Like many Christians, I'm like, well, I remember asking my mom as a teenager, just being fascinated, like, how do these guys live so long before the flood and were the six days really six days? And is that at day age or progressive? And I was just trying to wrestle and trying to fit all these different uh, secular worldviews into my into my uh, Christianity. Then about 11 or 12 years ago, I went to a talk uh, titled something like Dinosaurs Walked with Man or Dinosaurs in the Bible uh, at my church by uh, Dave Bisbee, our current vice president. And I'm like, I can't believe our church is even letting this guy talk here to these sixth graders. This guy really believes that man walked with dinosaurs. What a ludicrous thing. I mean, we all know that dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago. And this guy just, he must be one of those fundamentalist homeschoolers that just doesn't know any better. I mean, that was my perception. And I went to his talk and about halfway through, I'm like, you know, wow, this guy actually does have some evidence. And, and why is it that dinosaurs still have soft tissue on the inside? And how in the world could 18 different people groups around the world all have similar myths, legends, stories, military accounts, cave paintings, and drawings of these dragon-like creatures that look a lot like dinosaurs. Maybe they did live after the flood and what's going on. And so he set me into a tailspin for about 90 days after I went to go uh, watch that talk. Um, I'm an obsessive researcher. I'm a testifying uh, PhD behavioral scientist by trainings, been involved in my, in a, as, a, as a witness or as a consultant in over a hundred state and federal court cases. So I understand a good book of evidence when I see one. That, that was my world for 20 years before I saw this talk. And so he really shifted me. And I'm like, if what this guy is saying is true, I got to find out for myself. And so I took about a 90-day journey. I spent thousands of dollars on DVDs and books. I flew to Montana. I flew to Canada. I looked at the dinosaur stuff firsthand. 
And about half the way through that 90-day hiatus, I realized, oh my gosh, it's all true. And I had gone to seminary, and in seminary they taught me, well, you know, if you want to be true and honest and scholarly about the Hebrew, those six days have to be real ordinary days because of how they wrote it up. And all those days are boxed in with evening, morning, day number, evening, morning, day number, and all kinds of other evidence from the text itself that says, well, the six days are real days. And then you marry the genealogies in Luke chapter 3 and Genesis 5 and 10 and 11, and you, you know you're linked back from Jesus to Adam, the son of God, just 4,000 years before Christ, you've got 6,000 years of history. And so earth has to be young and the six days are real days. That's what they taught me in seminary from the Hebrew experts. But then they would say in the very next breath, but if you believe in science, the earth has to be millions of years old. So you guys go figure it out. And <laughs> I didn't know it, but that had put me and my faith in a place of stoppage and hesitancy and lack of growth. Uh, my roots had been stunted because I believed those two different accounts. But when I went through this 90-day journey and discovered for myself, you know, you can't unsee the things I've seen. I've been at Dinosaur Provincial Park and I've looked over a 14-mile stretch of land that's filled with dinosaurs, tens of thousands of them buried with mammals, sharks, fish, and clams, as far as I can see under 50 to 100 feet of mud. And you're like, okay, well, how much higher did the water have to be over here? What, 600 feet higher to bring the sedimentary deposits of tens of thousands of dinosaurs buried with, with clams, sharks, and fish. And then you realize, my goodness, it's all true. Uh, and that yeah. shifted my faith in an unbelievable way. And I'm a firm believer that if you're going to be effective as a Christian, you need to be called into something to, to, to do. You got to run your lane, right? Uh, and so what I discovered was God began wrecking my heart for what wrecks his, it, it, impacting my heart, breaking my heart for what's, what's breaking his. I went to my son's back to school night in public school, a sixth grade school. And the teacher in the world history class was saying, well, look, we have to teach evolution here. So if you're Christian or, or Jewish or Catholic, just know we got to teach this stuff for a couple of weeks and then we move on to other things. And I'm looking up on our bookshelf and it's like, of Darwin and fossils and evolution. She was a committed, die-hard propagandist for evolution. And I got so sick to my stomach, I had to walk home. Because by that time, I had understood that God's word in Genesis is true start to finish. And that really began our ministry. That was about 10 years ago. Wow. What a story. Yeah, you know, it, it's fascinating because we don't, you know, there's a lot of great apologetics resources out there. I mean, you guys are one of them. And so we, you know, we don't focus as much on the apologetics because that's already, you know, it's being done. Talk about staying in your lane, right? So we focus primarily around here on, you know, model building, you know, just talking about new discoveries that have come out. I focus a lot on the biblical side of things and also just frankly, how to have the creation conversation, right? How to actually talk with people about these things. And so it's always cool to be reminded of how important the apologetics side of it is to find more and more people like you. You talked about, you know, kind of going on the 90-day journey. That's so funny. It reminds me a lot of myself. When I go down a rabbit hole, I go deep. I, I go deep. I call it immersion, right? I go deep for a period of time and learn everything I can about a specific subject especially on something like this that can be so sort of world shattering, man, that you know. must be, must be wild. Um, 
it it yeah. is wild and that's what you know eventually uh led us to this movie i mean i found my place about two and a half years ago where a whole bunch of life events happened and within about two months of each other i got a got a bad case of COVID. my brother just passed away my mom's cancer came back and my kids went away to college and i became an empty nester so i was just getting leveled on every front down physically <laughs> spiritually emotionally and it was in that dark little pit that I had in my life where God clearly arranged a bunch of circumstances to, I would just say, commission me to do this flood film. It wasn't the figment of my imagination. I don't want to get my cessationist friends mad at me. But when God wants to call you to something, he will break every rule in your tidy little book. He will yeah. do whatever he's got to do. He'll give you dreams. He'll get people to come up to you that have got words or insights or whatever. And let's just say as a very conservative Christian, God made it blisteringly clear I was supposed to go do this movie. And I wasn't going to be like Jonah because God's like, hey, son, do you need to go in and take a swim with the fish? Because you'll you'll do that if you don't listen to me, <laughs> you know. And so I just kept getting oh, messages. Yeah. And so we teamed with Ralph Strand with Sevenfold Films. And then that was about two and a half years ago. And we put our nose to the grindstone and, and God's given birth to this movie. And I, I pray it's going to have a lot of impact for people. Oh, 100%. 100%. So let's not bury the lead any longer. Uh, I'll go ahead and play the trailer for this new movie you've got coming out, which, by the way, I mentioned it before we jumped on, but your background is absolutely incredible. I would love an ARC background, so I'm going to have to get one of those. <laughs> Ralph Strin for that. I'll send you, I'll send you a link. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, let me bring up the, the trailer here, and I'll get this playing, and we'll watch this together for just a moment. Ever since 2020, the world has irrevocably changed. With every month passing, seeming to get stranger and stranger. It's scary to think what the future holds as we march forward, push together, facing a certain inevitability. A prophetic time that can only be described as biblical. But there was an ancient world. The fall of man. That's why God sent the flood. It was a judgment that happened. It changed the world profoundly. There is yet a future judgment coming. It'll be just as it was in the days of Noah. In the last days, the end times. They will be surprised when Jesus comes.
the Ark and the Darkness in theaters March 20th and 21st only. Well, I, I think about the only word that I could possibly use to describe that is epic. I mean, Great. it just looks epic. It looks fantastic. Well, no, no thanks to me. Our, our, our director, producer, uh, Ralph Strin did a fantastic job with that. So giving credit where credit's due. Uh, I, I like his, his take on it. And, uh, you know, interesting little sidebar here. I think the only um, uh, issue of some, some slight controversy in that trailer is we do take in the first 30 seconds or so, a little bit, we ring the end times bell a little bit, Yeah, you know, and, and that can get yeah. some creationists uh, and some ministries and some Christians a little bit edgy, you know, and I wouldn't do it if I didn't sincerely believe that it was a relevant call. Um, I'm 55 years old. I've been watching the temperature of my life and the political culture around me and the culture around me uh, changed very, very dynamically. You know, you can drive down the streets in California, the highway and see a billboards that says marijuana for sale delivered to your house. You know, you mm, can walk yeah. into Safeway and you can grab as much salmon as you want and walk out the front door. No one's going to chase you, you know, so times are you know, the Bible's very clear what signs and markers to look for is, is there will be lawless times in the end days. And that's so I'm seeing a lot of change happen in my life and the Israel war and all that stuff. I'm not an end stay gloomer and doomer. And I know that Christians have a lot of different perspectives on their eschatological views. Um, yeah. And I'm not here to push that either way, but I do think the flood is about judgment. And so that theme is a safe place to go. And Jesus himself said, look, it, you know, it will be in the last days, just as it was in the days of Noah, people will be oblivious and not paying attention. And suddenly that is that the judgment's going to come. So. I have a very mm. clear conscience with jinging, you know, jingling that bell a little bit in our trailer. No, you know, I appreciated it. It's certainly it was the it was unexpected for me, which I think it will be unexpected for others, too. And I think that's sort of the point. Right. E even yeah. because, you know, as creation nerds, especially, you know, like that, I am not typically thinking when I think flood, I'm not typically thinking of the judgment aspects of it right even though that's what it's about you know i mean my mind immediately sort of goes to well science this and science that and genesis six through eight and was it global or was it local and those are all good discussions to have and and certainly important things to talk about but yeah at the end of the day and i don't know if you read D dr dustin burlett's work i've had him on the channel and we talked about how you know the arc and the flood account are uh, in, in terms of the linguistic patterns more about salvation than judgment but they are about both salvation and judgment. And yeah. you can only be saved if there's a judgment to be saved from. And I think that the there's a really important link, the second Peter three, you know, link that really ties the judgment of the flood to the judgment to come in the end days. I think that's a link that sometimes we overlook. Except when we're trying to make an argument about, you know, the flood being global, like as creationists, we'll go there, but we don't often actually just talk about, hey, it's like we should be preparing people for the coming judgment because we saw that it happened before. And so it's an important thing. So I appreciate That's that. That's so true. You're, you're absolutely right about that. You know, Second Peter 3, one angle, you know, scriptures full of light, full of truth. And every time you twist it, not twist it, but turn the the angle of the diamond, you get a different facet of the light that shines through. 
consider yeah. consider this angle of looking at Second Peter three. Consider that that prophecy has already been fulfilled. Think about what he says. Peter yeah. exchanged the historicity of Genesis, which is the foundation of our gospel, for the lie of millions of years. And so that exchange has already happened. And now we're post-prophecy. We're 150 years after the, the church caved in on that Genesis discussion. And where has that brought us? Well, we're to the place there where the scoffers have a firm foothold on those, the denial of those two things, which is in that passage. They're going to deny creation ex nihilo, creation out of nothing, creation out of water, and they're going to deny a cataclysmic dis you know, destruction by the flood. And what college can you graduate from today where that's not going to be beat into your head on right. both sides? Oh, uh, yeah. you know, in, in fact, you can't even graduate a, a, any degree in arts or business or psychology without making sure that you take core classes like geology, uh, anthropology, philosophy, biology, natural sciences, earth sciences, all these things, which are going to really, you know, uh, make sure that you understand earth is old and God didn't do it, you know? And yeah. So it's, yeah. We're, we're on the backside of second Peter three right now. We're seeing what's, what's happened when that came through. You know, something as you were saying that I hadn't even thought of yet, and you, I think you'll definitely have a perspective on this as a, as a psychologist by, you know, by background. Because that is affiliated with your background, right? Like psychology right. and Industrial behavior. organizational psychology, yeah. So I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm a therapist, not a clinical guy, but but that's uh, IO psychology is in that stratosphere, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. So it, it seems to me that a lot of what's happened, and I want to try to be careful about this because, uh, again, I, I don't think some people are doing this intentionally, but then I think now at this point it's just been, become a snowball. You know, one of the things that I'd like to combat is this idea that seems to be coming up more and more that the creationist position was invented by Seventh-day Adventists, like within the last 150 or 200 years. And were there some very influential Seventh-day Adventist creationists? Yeah, sure. You know, why not? You know, they were. That doesn't mean that they invented the view. And I think there's almost this, this the term I want to use is gaslighting. There's almost this gaslighting thing going on now in, unfortunately, in some, you know, in lots of Christian circles, even where it's like, well, the church's historic position of origins was never young earth creationism. You know, that was made up by Seventh-day Adventists in the, you know, in the 18 and 1900s. And so that wasn't really a, you know, a consideration for the church of, of times past. It kind of reminds me of like when people will say, well, the Bible doesn't give an age for the earth. Yeah, well, okay. If the Bible like said an age for the earth, it would be immediately out of date, you know, whenever you were, you know, so you got to use the data within the scriptures to come to that conclusion. And it's like, it's the same thing. We're dealing with different questions in the modern day than they were dealing with, you know, for the past few thousand years of church history, even yeah. though you can find a random person, you know, to quote here and there throughout church history who will have doubts about a creationist reading by far and away. It is the historic view of, uh, of the church on origins. And so I'm fascinated by this trend away from that, not just in the science, because that's been there for a while now, but this growing trend uh, away from even claiming that it was the church's view of origins historically. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. You know, l let's just go back to the beginning, to the, the first author manuscripts themselves. It, to me, there is no way to get out of the box painted by Luke chapter three. You just can't do it. So he yeah. was from Neanderthal yeah. that God picked out of a, of a crowd and blew his spirit into. It's very right. ordinary days as we would understand it or six long ages. 
And again, I don't think there's an honest way out of that box. I've seen people try and it looks yeah, kind of too. embarrassing when they do. But the the if you want to have that one, the one trick pony, the one punch knockout, you just have to ask yourself the question, if you were in a crowd of Israelites who heard that for the first time, what <laughs> message did God want to convey? Because communication's got a sender and a receiver. And the resent the sender of that communication, God knew that the Israelites were going to think, well, he's talking about six days because he wants me to work for six days and rest for one. So it yeah. was a case closed issue a long, long time ago. And only recently has a church slid into an, a, a, some kind of a cooperative effort with the world's secular view on evolution. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, again, I, I want to be careful to judge people's motives, but I am thoroughly unconvinced by the efforts to say that those days mean something else other than, I mean, I think communication is pretty you know, like, yeah, th there are different standards for historical reportage, you know, today than there were in the times when the Bible was being written. It was a different world back then. Of course, all of that is true. But like, you know, the analogy is clear, just like I made the, you know, just like I created in six days and rested on the seventh, you are going to work six days and rest on the seventh. Like it's a yes. very uh -huh. clear analogy, you know? Yeah. It, so it's, for yeah. me, it's, it's pretty hard to get, to get out of. And and but you know the other thing to consider is that um, I I have all kinds of brothers and sisters who are not yet uh, creationists, and I I don't beat them up over it. I understand that in a very yeah. humble way. I only believe in that truth because God allowed me to see it, and He allowed me to have a discovery process. So if other people aren't there yet, or or they never will be, that's between them and the Lord. I'm to plant seeds. I'm to exhort, as the Bible says, as much as possible. But man, it's it's a faith journey, and the Holy Spirit will lead you into truth if you're saved. And and I I can't I can't do that. I can't get in and, and meddle with that. So yeah, yeah. Amen. Well, it's going to happen at various points for various people, you know. And yeah. like you're an example of that. You know, it was a little bit later in life for you when you had that realization and. Now you can't unsee it, you know, but yeah. there it is. So let, let me ask a question this way, because I really want to get people amped for this movie in the few remaining minutes that we have. So let's just say, let's just say that you had a top three of reasons why you were excited about the movie or like things in the movie that you're excited to get the message out. I'm going to assume that one of those would be the focus, which is a little bit niche on the judgment aspect of it, you know, insofar as you can call that favorite. Let's just assume because you've already talked about that's one of them. What might be the two other things about this movie that you're just so excited to share about? You know, first, let me put in a caveat. Um, the, the movie, The Passion of the Christ, which was a, a very well done piece about the, you know, the, the crucifixion, mm -hmm. um, was 99% about the crucifixion and maybe 1% about the resurrection. Um, this mm -hmm. movie is about the judgment and we call it the arc in the darkness because let's face it, it was a dark time. Uh, not many Christians know or even have an idea of what the pre-flood world looked like, but understand yeah. that God had to bring a judgment onto that world. So this movie is heavy. It's intense. It's not funny. We didn't try to put in humor with it, but Ralph mm -hmm. Stren, our director, does a, a really great job at moderating the heaviness and the intensity. And the movie has three different um, content pieces that are blended together. We've got the talking head piece, you know, it is a documentary style in that way with 12, you got a dozen PhDs that, that talk, uh, but even that is done in a way that that's colored with intrigue and mystery. And then the other third would be, let's call it a 3D learning laboratory. So where Ralph pulls the viewer into a 3D room 
and has a narrator say some really cool stuff where the visuals are complementing what the narrator's saying. Then the other third is never before seen photorealistic uh, imagery and CGI of the flood that is mm -hmm. astronomical, unbelievable. We're seeing the movie alone just for that piece. And so um, I, I would say the, the, the two most compelling parts that, that, uh, that pulled me in as far if, if I was uh, to, to go rewind my current faith as a creationist and, and think what would be the two most impactful parts of this movie that would convince me, um, I think it would be the short but convincing piece on dinosaur soft tissue. And that really, really gets me because the secularists have outlined now 122 peer-reviewed articles that document this soft stuff in bones, 16 different types of bioorganics that are found inside dinosaur bones. And let's face it, uh, it's very obvious. Even the, the director of the Peabody Museum is like, no one was expecting this, that we would yeah. find these things in here. So if, they're, if they were just petrified rocks, I would find that the, the creationist sense outside of the Bible to be a hard case to, to carry, at least with respect to the fossils, maybe, because it's a, it's a challenging discussion. But if they were just bones, now I could understand how the bone mineral would maybe last for possibly for hundreds of thousands of years or maybe millions of years. It was just the bone mineral. But that's not what we're finding. If we're finding the third level of stuff, which is soft organics that are subject to biological decay that have no business being in bones that are, are millions of years old. So for me, that mm. is probably the most pinnacle, most convincing thing. And then I think the other, uh, the other thing that really gets me is when you understand the, um, the theory of catastrophic plate tectonics and how that process during the flood, the 371 day flood process, the process would generate three substances that would flood and bury and kill the dinosaurs. And that's exactly what we find them buried in today. It would produce mud, sand, and ash concurrently. Mm -hmm. It would bury the dinosaur. And if you look at dinosaur taponomy, they would be buried in a matrix of those three substances. And that's exactly what we find them in. For example, the brushy basin members, size of New Jersey, you know, miles and mm -hmm. miles filled with ash, tens of feet, feet thick. Where'd all that ash come from? What well, had to come from the subducting seafloor that's diving underneath the, the land continents, producing coastal volcanics that were on a scale we can't even imagine, for, producing 4,000 cubic miles of ash. So that would be the second thing that I found most compelling uh, that we were able to put in the, the film is uh, how these dinosaurs are buried. They're, they're buried in the products that killed them. And that, yeah. for me, when people <laughs> get that, that they weren't, they weren't, they didn't just die and fall over and they get buried over millions of years with mud, sand, and ash. No, they're wrapped up in the products that were instrumental in their death all mm. over the world. That's huge. And we can really step back and look at this like, oh my gosh, what else could do that besides a worldwide event? That is a huge point. I'm so glad that's going to be in there because I've always been fascinated by, well, I like catastrophic plate tectonics because it has, it's one of those rare sort of explanatory devices that it's hard for even a secularist to object to because it explains all of their evidence too, right? It, it's literally yeah. their theory just sped up, essentially, yeah. right? <laughs> um, actually seems to better explain some things that, that even, you know, normal catastrophic, or excuse me, r normal, you know, run-of-the-mill plate tectonics doesn't explain 
so well, like magnetic field reversals happening so rapidly and things of that nature. So I find that to be very interesting and very compelling. So so it's fair to say then that the movie is equal parts passionate plea in terms of the judgment side, but also evidence for the for the event of the flood as well. Is that fair to say? It's it's a very thick movie, and I would say it's probably got about four hours worth of watchable evidence that have been crammed into an hour 54 minutes. It's really that thick, and it's wow. intense, and it's heavy, but it's good. Because to the, mm-hmm. to, the, to, to the already awakened believer like myself, thank God, it's a, yeah. it's a solidification of, okay, God did it. This is when it happened. But, you know, if you rewound my life 12 years ago before I became a creationist, and you asked me, hey, Dan, let's just start with the five basics on Noah's flood, the who, what, when, where, why. Basically, why? I understand the why, but then I really didn't until I understand the, the whole Genesis 6 dialogue. There's a lot going on there. And then the when, I would have said, like most Christians, I have no idea when it happened. You know, and, and right. what? Well, it could be local, it could be worldwide. It would, I didn't get that word right, right either. Or the where. Uh, it could be local, it could be, could be global. But, but now it's like, God wins. His, his truth is right out there. I have no question about these five uh, W's on what happened with the flood. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'm excited. I mean, it's going to be great. I know I w- I, I saw um, the Paradise Lost movie, which is another one of Ralph's productions from a few years ago, I, do, I yeah. believe. Uh, and so if it's anything along the lines of that quality, which the trailer looks like it's going to be, then I am just uh, super pumped and excited. So when can we see this thing? Where can we see this thing? Yeah, you can buy tickets. Just go to noahsflood.com without the apostrophe S, just noahsflood.com, where you can look it up on Fandango or Regal, uh, several different theater change occurring. It's in 832 theaters. And you can go to noahsflood.com and buy the tickets there. There's a ticket link that you can get there. Um, And it'll be on the theaters March 20th and 21st. It's a two-day-only event. Then after about 90 days, it's going to be on uh, the cable networks, the major cable networks. We've got about 30, I think 32 digital platforms that it'll be on. And then uh, in a long chain history, it's going to go on YouTube in 27 languages. This is a very, it's a missional outreach film and it's going to go worldwide for that purpose. So that was the reason that Ralph and I got together and wanted to do it was, hey, let's, let's make a flood movie that can journey through the theaters for the big splash and the promotion but our end game is to get to millions on on youtube rumble etc fantastic well it's a worthy goal worthy mission and i'm jazzed anytime i see creationists put quality no doubt there's been a lot of money put behind this and i think the more and more quality stuff we do you know the more we show the world and other christians that we're serious about this stuff and and that we think there's a message worth sharing so i applaud you Great. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad to be part of your show and I'm, uh, I'm so excited to see when this, you know, as the movie comes out of uh, the other things that are going to unfold. So it's great. Yeah. And Genesis apologetics.com. Is that the best place yeah, to follow um, y'all's work? Th- that's our website. Uh, and this, 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 uh, movie is a joint product uh, of our ministry and sevenfold films. So Ralph Strem is a producer director and, uh, I'm the executive producer. And our ministries share this asset together. So you can go to genesisapologetics.com or Sevenfold Films and, uh, and look up, you know, about our ministries and everything. And we're happy to partner together to get it out to the world. Amen. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dan. It's been yeah. a pleasure. And uh, I can't wait till next time. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Of course.